Morning, church. So good to be with you again on this Sunday. You may notice that I'm wearing this rather natty coat. And this is the reason. I really enjoy the first Sunday of, of New Year when everyone's back from Christmas and you look around the room and always people have got something they got given for Christmas. And guess what? This is my Christmas present from my good wife. And I've had no chance to show it off. So come on, church. What are we thinking? Come on, you can put your comments in the chat box. Be kind to me. It's Levi's, you know, but I'm going to take it off because it's boiling. Okay, we are in this series we are calling Influencer. It's going to be our theme through the year. You will see this brilliant graphic that Billy Mouat did for us, and it's just the Father's hands. And as we go and position ourselves in the Father's hands, that's the place we're able to shine brightest. And the point of shining brightly is that we pierce the darkness, we change the atmosphere, we change lives. And then what we hope for is other lights to get lit up too, and the light gets brighter and goes further, and we advance the kingdom. Come on, we're called to be influencers this year. We are making our theme scripture, that verse in Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, where it talks about us being Salt and light, salt that influences flavour and light that challenges the darkness that we're called to influence this year. And when we talk about goals for the year, the hope is that more and more people will see God for who he really is, not some opinion they've heard, but they will see him for, for themselves because of the light that you're shining, that more people would see themselves through how God created them to be, not through some filter that's been put on them through their life, that there'll be more kindness, more generosity, more faith would arise in the people around us and the kingdom would be advanced. We want to see more of heaven on earth. Come on, there must be an amen in the house. That's our theme for the year. So today's title is Representing Heaven representing heaven. And what I want to do is I want to use the book of Daniel and look at Daniel's life and draw some parallels. And I hope you feel inspired through it because there's lots of parallels to be drawn. Now, what you'll find is there's this King Nebuchadnezzar, and I've been chatting with a few guys, and I want to challenge you in the chat box to spell Nebuchadnezzar without cheating, without going to Google. Come on, first one to get it right gets a brownie point from Pastor Barry. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon at the time, and he goes and he challenges Jerusalem, and he overthrows Jerusalem, and he takes with him some of their best men. And he takes them to train them for service in his palace. Now, Daniel was one of these men. Daniel was in training. You know, so often we look at this idea about being in ministry and full-time ministry. Well, here is Daniel, who we are going to see makes massive influence, but he was just a trainee. He was training for service in the kingdom. He was learning to serve a king in another culture. He was living in a place that wasn't his home. He was being trained to live in a way that served the king of a different culture. So can we start to bring parallels straight away? Have a look at this scripture with me. Philippians 3 and verse 20. It says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the thing, if we can put on an eternal mindset, if we genuinely believe we have been adopted as children of God, then heaven is our home. And we are here on earth and we have to function in this climate until the time comes that we will be with him forever. So we face the same challenges as Daniel. We are constantly being challenged and trained by the kings of this culture. Can I suggest some of them to you? Money, success, power, 
position, being noticed, fitting in, being right. These are some of the kings of the culture we live in. And without even realizing it, we get trained into living that way because it becomes important to us. You can add to those things to your list and there'll be other things too. But we are citizens of another culture. We are citizens of heaven. And our goal isn't to submit and train our way into this culture. Our goal is to bring heaven's culture to earth. And this is where we can draw parallels with Daniel. Daniel did something consistently. And I think we can learn from it. He drew a line in the sand and he decided in his heart, I will do this and I won't do that. There are things I will do and there are things I won't do. And I will not budge. Why? Because I represent a different culture. Read this passage with me. It's Daniel chapter 1 and it's verses 5 through 20. It's a little bit of a chunk. Don't tend to read this much in one go, but go with me. Here it is, Daniel 1. Verse 5, the king assigned them a daily amount of food. This is the trainees. Uh, Food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after that were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned you food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians, enchanters in his whole kingdom. How good is it to look at this kind of passage right in the middle of a fast? For me and my home, we are doing the Daniel fast. You will see there, he talked about 10 days. Yet we call the Daniel fast a 21-day fast. But later in chapter 10 of Daniel, if you care to read it, he does a three-week fast. But the fast is similar. Vegetables and water. No choice foods, meats and wine. So this is the Daniel fast. But here's what he did. He drew his line in the sand. He says, I don't want to feed myself on what you feed in. I come from a different culture. I don't want to eat like you. I want to do something different. And here's the thing. God looks down on his decision. 
God looks down on his heart. God looks down on the way he stood for something. And I wonder whether God just went, yes, I can work with that. I can work with someone who will draw a line in the sand. I can work with someone who's prepared to say no. I can work with someone who will stand up for something and say, this is what I won't do. And this is what I will do. God was able to use him. Now look at this. Daniel made a brave choice. He made a choice to stand for his own culture. And God totally backed him. Daniel didn't stand alone. He had three friends. We've heard about them already. Meshach, uh, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, in our house, when we've talked about this, we've made some jokes about it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We call them Heshach, Meshach, and a bungalow. But, you know, that's just our house because we're a bit weird like that. But here's the thing. If where two or three are gathered in the name of God, there his presence will be. You see, what they do is they promote a picture of church. They are in a different culture. They are in a different land. It's not their home, but they gather around God. And when they stand for something, God just totally backs them. But they're in it together. We were never called to do this Christian walk in isolation. You aren't called to do life on your own. We are called together. Here they are, these, these band of brothers stood together. And we don't see how they chattered together. We don't see the times they prayed for each other. We don't see the times where they, they encouraged and strengthened one another. But bet your bottom dollar that was happening because they were in this difficult time together and they were all going to draw a line in the, stand, uh, in the sand and stand for something. They were determined to be true to God despite being in a foreign culture. God empowered Daniel. He gave him this ability to interpret dreams. He, he gave him this ability to have great knowledge and wisdom. And I believe God can do that and wanted to do that because he showed in his heart, I'm going to stand for something. Isn't it amazing that when you stand for something, God says, I can work with that. And suddenly your world starts to shift. Suddenly you start to see heaven unfolding. Suddenly you start to see a bit of the miraculous unfolding in your life. Come on, we need to start standing for something. We need to draw a line in the sand. Let's be inspired by Daniel and his three friends' story. They stood in a foreign culture but wouldn't budge. And God blessed him. Have a look what happens here in Daniel chapter 2, verses 48 and 49. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained in the royal court. I love this. You see, here we find that the wise men, they're getting annoyed with him. They become jealous of them because they believe in power. They believe in position. They want to be seen. But what does Daniel do straight away? He says, it's not about me. I want my three friends involved. It's all of us together. We're called to do this together. And it doesn't matter about who's top, middle and bottom. We're going together. And God positions them and has, they have great influence. Daniel valued family. Now, if you know the story... We see how this jealousy from the king's officials and wise men becomes, overtakes them. 
and they despise the four men. They hate them. These four men that have come from another culture and have now been given authority and been given the position we craved. Why? Because God has raised them up. They don't see it that way, but I see it that way. Men who have drawn a line in the sand, suddenly it's God who positions them and they have great authority. But these wise men and these enchanters and magicians don't like them and they make a plot. How can we trip them up? And so they create this gold statue. And they convince the king that this is a good idea and that everyone should bow down to the gold statue. So what's the response of our guys? What's the response of the men who want to honour God in a foreign culture? Well, they come back and they say, we will serve you diligently. We believe in that. We will honour you. We believe in excellence and we will always give you our best. That's who we are. But we will not bow down to your idol. That is not going to be happen. They stand for something. They draw a line in the sand and said, we will not budge. So what happens? If you know the story, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego get thrown in a furnace. But look what happens. Daniel chapter 3, verses 22 through 25. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. How amazing is that? You see, what happens? These men stand for something. These men draw a line in the sand. These men say, we will not bow down to the gods of this culture. We represent another culture. And they are prepared to go all the way with it. And as they go all the way with it, what happens? God shows up in the midst. When the flames are roaring, when it's burning everyone else up around them, they are unharmed and unbound. They are free. What a picture. And I love this. As they stand for God, God stands for them. There's another in the fire. I love that song that we sing in church life, another in the fire. And it's so true that as testing times come your way, if you'll just stand for God, he will stand for you because there's another in the fire walking with you and you will not be harmed. In fact, you'll have a story to tell of his goodness. You'll have a story to tell of his provision. You'll have a story to tell of his protection because he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. But he's looking for men and women and children who will stand for something. I love this. I don't know if you've ever seen this and it's inspired me for many years that we know that when Jesus died, he rose again and he rose back to the place where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. You'll find that in various scriptures, but Matthew 16, 19 is one of them. Where is Jesus positioned? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Being seated at the right hand of the Father is a position of authority and power. And that's where Jesus is. But when someone in Acts, the book of Acts, stands for Jesus, Jesus stands for him. You'll find it in Acts chapter 7 and verse 56. This is where Stephen gets stoned. 
He's a man who declares Jesus. He's a man that declares Jesus is the Messiah. And the people don't like it. And they say, this is blasphemous and it's wrong. And they put him against the wall and they start throwing stones at him. And as the stones hit him and he's, and he's beginning to lose his life, he declares, I look up to the heavens. I can see the open heaven. And there I see the Son of Man standing at the right of the Father. We know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but when he sees someone standing for him, even unto death, he stands with him. How cool is that for Stephen as he encounters his Jesus and they stand together. When you stand for God, God will stand for you. Now, you're probably very familiar with the next bit of the story. It's probably the most famous part of Daniel's story. The king's men hated Daniel again. He had the position they craved. He had the power and authority they craved. These were the idols and the gods of the time. You know, we can uh, probably acknowledge that today. People want power. People want position. People want to be noticed. People want to make it about themselves. These are the things that are confronting us now. But we serve another culture. We serve a culture of selflessness. We serve a culture of servanthood. And it's God who raises people up. We don't have to fight for it and crave it. So Daniel, they, they dislike Daniel and they make a plot for him and they go to the king and they say, this is what we think should happen. Don't allow anyone to pray to any gods, but only to you, our king. We should pray to you. And of course, because the king is who he is and his, his pride rises up, and, well, that's a good idea. They should pray to me. He loves Daniel, you know. He loves him. He rates him. Daniel's been so helpful to him. He's served him. He's grown to, to be close to him and he doesn't see the trickery behind it. So when they say to Daniel, you're not to pray to your God, you're only to pray to the king, Daniel has another decision to make. What is Daniel going to do? Well, guess what? He draws a line in the sand. He stands up and says, no, I will do this and I won't do that. I will serve you with diligence. I will serve you with excellence. I will honor you, but I won't pray to some weird God. I will only pray to my God. He draws his line in the sand. And because the king signed the papers, he was tricked into forcing a punishment on Daniel. And Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. Let's read what happens. Daniel chapter 6, verses 19 through 22. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. He was desperate that Daniel would be okay. He was tricked into this whole thing. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Pause. Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. What happens? Daniel stands and God stands with him. God was able to protect him when it looked like the culture would eat him alive. No, 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 no. God protected him. Why? Because Daniel stood for something and therefore God stood with him. What's the result of this? What goes on next? Let me show you. Daniel 6 verses 26 and 27. The king speaking. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What happens? 
the whole kingdom bows before God. Talk about an influencer. Daniel went in and all he did was stand for something. And God said, I can back that. And because he stood for something, the result was everyone bowed before God. What an influencer. We want to be influencers today, don't we, in our time. Could we learn something from Daniel's life? Here we are, church, citizens of heaven living on earth. Dealing with the challenges, the pulling and the pushing, the desires, everything the world has to offer. We know we're in this. It's there dragging at us all the time. But we're not called to be the same as everyone around us. Just like Daniel, we are called to choose what we will do and called to choose what we won't do. Remember, we are representing heaven. We can't live the same as everyone else and expect to be influencers. We can't do what everyone else is doing, live by everyone else's standard, chasing everyone else's idols and expect heaven to move in our lives. We have to draw a line in the sand and say, I am standing for my God. And just you watch him stand with you because he's got history and he's the same God as yesterday, today and tomorrow. God is looking for some people he can get behind. Every time Daniel stood, God stood with him. Every time Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stood, God stood with them every time. Can I suggest to you, if you are someone who is looking for a bit of the miraculous in your world, can I suggest a really great starting place is just to start lining your life up with God. Have some integrity. Choose holiness. Line up with the standards God's put. Stand for something. And just watch God start to unravel heaven in your world. You'll have a story so amazing, it'll blow your socks off. And here's what I love. Did Daniel set out to influence the whole kingdom for God? No. All Daniel set out to do was to have some integrity and that he would draw a line in the sand and honour his God. That's all he did. I'm not trying to change the world. I'm just making a choice for me that I will honour my God and I'm not going to budge. But isn't it amazing how when you honour God, God's plan's always bigger and better than ours. And so the outworking of God saw I could use that. And eventually the whole kingdom was changed because one or four men stood for something together. Four men were able to shift the spiritual climate. I wonder what a church our size could do if we all chose to draw a line in the sand with integrity and says, I'm not budging. There are all kinds of pools on my life. There's all kinds of idols around me. There's all kinds of kings that I could go for. But I'm choosing God. I'm choosing holiness and reverence. I'm choosing to line my, line, my life up with my king. I wonder what the story would look like as it unfolds if we did that. God's plan's always bigger than mine and yours. I was reflecting on this as I was writing the message and you end up you know, looking over some of your life. And I remember back in the times when I was playing football and you've got to bear in mind you're putting yourself in an environment with, with 22 guys, young men, fit, strong, you know, professional athletes, loads of banter, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. But I'd made a decision I wasn't going to swear. Now, for some people, that may or may not be a thing, but it was my thing. I, you know, football's a very sweary world. Sport is generally quite a sweary world, isn't it? Uh, but I was decided, I'm not, there, are, there are better words, people. You know, fair enough, you choose what language you want to do, but it's my line. There are better words you can use. 
And so I decided that. And, you know, it, it, no one made a big deal of it, to be honest, but it definitely got noticed. And here's how I got noticed. Because when we went out to celebrate a win as a team, we'd go to the pubs and the clubs. And after the lads had had a few pints, it's amazing how men in particular, after a few pints, they'll start telling you their stuff. You know, men are writ tight lips, all stiff up a lip and we won't say much. But get a couple of beers inside them, they'll tell you their whole life. And who do they choose to tell their whole life to? The guy who doesn't swear every week. Because they knew there was something different about me. And so they come to me and go, oh, Barry, you're such a nice bloke. Oh, I'm having real hassle with the missus at home. Oh, I think we're going to split up. And oh, man, my kids are playing up. And oh, this has happened to work. They tell me their stuff. I drew a line in the sand. I'm just not going to swear. It's not who I'm going to be in this environment. I want to be different. My goal wasn't to influence them all massively, especially back then. I didn't know. But what happened? God said, I can use that. You're showing you're different to them. There's something in you they don't have. And so in the moments where they were able to speak, they came to me. And I was able to give them some advice. I was able to put an arm around them in that moment. I was able to support them and encourage them. It changed their environment. I believe probably there was at least two marriages in that time that I helped to save because I just gave some advice. Even as a young guy who wasn't married, you can sometimes see from the outside better than you can see from the inside out. And God blessed it. So I didn't go with the motivation of changing people's lives, but because I drew a line in the sand, a simple line, God said, I can use that. And I ended up being an influencer. And as we go along this idea and theme of being influencers this, this year, could a good starting point be, I'm going to decide for me what my line is. I'm going to honour God and God only. I'm going to give up chasing up all the other idols that are around me. And they are there. But I'm drawing a line of integrity to say, I'm for God. I stand for God and I can fully expect God will stand for me. So here's some questions just for you to, to mull over. When you look at your life, what will you do and what won't you do? Do you have a line in the sand? And if you do, could you verbalize that? Do you have a bunch of people around you who will strengthen and encourage you at the, at the difficult moments? We're not called to do this on our own. What does submitting to God's kingship look like for you? Because if he is king, money can't be king. If he is king, power can't be king. If he is king, position can't be king. If he is king, fitting in can't be king. He has to be king. And so what does that look like in your world? But I know this, if you will live life honouring him as king, I believe you will have a life story so outrageous that you will influence more people than you've ever imagined. Because they will look at you and say, wow, something is happening around you. And you know what? We don't have to overcomplicate it sometimes. Sometimes we just need to say, I'm going to be a person of integrity. I'm going to honour my God and I'm going to draw a line and just see what God might do. Remember, we are here to represent heaven. We are in a foreign land. We are citizens of heaven, but we are going to live by heaven's culture. I hope there's an amen somewhere in that chat box. I'd love to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for the amazing people tuning in. I declare a blessing over them right now in Jesus' name. But Lord, as we consider this message, I pray by your spirit you'd stir us. You stir men and women and children of faith to stir up the integrity in us, 
to stir up getting back to basics and the simplicity of I serve God and God alone. Help us, Lord God, to make decisions about drawing a line in the sand. Help us to be people that are willing to reach out, stand up and be counted. And Lord, as we do that, we offer you our best and say, use us. Let us be people that become great influencers. Let us come to you so that you could let us shine brightly. Let us bring the flavours out in the brilliant people around us. And in it all, Jesus, you be glorified. And all God's people said, Amen. I always, every single week, want to give people an opportunity to respond. You know, maybe you're someone who's tuned in today, or maybe you've tuned in a few times. Is today the day you decide in your heart that I want a relationship with Jesus? It's today the day you cross over and become a citizen of heaven, adopted into God's family. It's a game changer. It changes your perspective. It changes your destination. Everything changes in a moment. And all it takes is a yes in your heart and a willingness to go on a journey with Jesus. So if that's you, let me pray with you. Father God, today I choose you. Thank you that you've always chosen me, but I respond by choosing you. Come and live in my heart. You are welcome, King Jesus. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you rose again and defeated death on my behalf. I accept you. Lead me forward. I turn away from the things that I've done that have kept you away. And I embrace you fully. And all God's people said, Amen. If you said yes to Jesus today, we are celebrating with you. We would love to pray with you and send you a Bible and some resources to get you started on your faith journey. Please go to equippers.co.uk forward slash I said yes or follow the link in the chat box so we can get in touch.